Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Hostrasser. Thank you so much for being here. Do me a favor, hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating. We'd really love to hear from you here at Disrupt Education. Head over to disrupteducation.co if you get a chance. You can see all the blogs, everything going on in education reform, where I'll be, who I'm talking to, a lot of great stuff there. Also, if you want to check out some really great programming, head over to getahallpass.com. We've got some pretty cool stuff over there called a gap year program, a transition program, college readiness programs, lots of different things going on there. On the podcast today, Baruch Dubrow. He is from New York and he is actually uh, an innovator in education, a coach and educator who's worked himself up through the ranks of education. And he's going to share his story and a lot of innovative ideas coming up right after the break. Stay with us. Have you ever thought about creating courses and training online? Without a partner to guide you through that process, you're going to be stressed about why your learners aren't engaged or how to create updated content, missing revenue opportunities, and not even having enough time. I know because I create online courses and I have a solution for you, e-learning partners. You don't have to be overwhelmed anymore. Become a partner with e-learning partners to create your courses and training stress-free and achieve the results you want to see. If you are thinking about wanting to create a course or training online and you believe like I believe that no expertise should go unheard, then click the e-learning partners link in the notes of this podcast and you can start your journey to create your courses and training stress-free. If you want all that and more from the e-learning partners, hit the link in the podcast notes because there's a free masterclass for you to take. That's right, a free masterclass. Hit that link today. The Disrupt Education vlog can be found on YouTube. To hear it in podcast form, search Disrupt Education on any of the following podcast platforms. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Welcome to this episode of Disrupt Education. I'm Peter Hostrasser. I have a great guest here traveling from New York, soon to be in Texas, I believe, um, Baruch Dubrow. I got that right? You got it. You nailed it. <laughs> awesome. As close as I can get. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for being here, man. Tell us uh, uh, a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so as you said, my name is Baruch Dubrow. I am an ordained rabbi. I actually grew out, grew up out in the Midwest in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, not too far from where you are. I actually have a story growing up. We, we once drove five hours from St. Louis to Chicago to get a kosher hamburger because there was nothing in St. Louis. So I'm very well acquainted with Chicago. (laughs) Um, I moved to California when I was about 12 and Since then, I spent a year in Hawaii as an assistant rabbi, um, part of the Chabad Hasidic group of Orthodox Jews. We're the ones known as the dancing rabbis. We're we're always happy in dancing. Um, I currently live out in Brooklyn in Crown Heights, New York, uh, something I swore I would never do, but you got to be careful with what you say. And I um, am an educator, uh, something else I swore I would never do. Um, So I'm on a great track record already. But the truth is, after over 10 years of being an educator, I absolutely love it. Um, and now I'm just 
glad to have the opportunity to sit down and have this chat with you and, and see where this goes. Oh, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's uh, we're, we're known for a lot of good food here in Chicago. So I'm glad uh, that that's a long trip for that. Um, but uh, let's let's jump in then to, you know, from traveling around, you must have had a, an interesting educational path. Um, kind of wanted to, you know, kind of, you know, share that. What is that like with, you know, your culture, your religion, um, and even traveling around, what what uh, what does that look like for you, or did that look like for you? Sure. So anything I say is is really going to be, I don't want it to be taken as a blanket statement for, for for Judaism or Orthodoxy or Chabad Hasidism as a whole. It really was kind of like my story, and there's elements of it that obviously are shared with the culture. But mm-hmm. I grew up in, as I mentioned before, in St. Louis, Missouri, which was there's not a big Hasidic presence there. Um, as a matter of fact, at the time, it was pretty much myself and three other families. Hmm. Um, it was a, a more a modern Orthodox community. Um, and I absolutely love the community. I mean, I credit them for so much of who I am today. Um, so schooling was very interesting because in many ways, I was an outcast. You know, I was the only Hasidic or- Orthodox Jew mm-hmm. in a, a religious and Orthodox Jewish school. But we were more stringent in many ways. And, and socially, things were just a little bit different. Um, academically as well. I mean, I don't know if special ed was even really a thing back then. But if special ed was a thing, I'm sure I probably would have been in a special ed class as it was. Um, I have very clear memories of um, Mora Judy. Uh, we call all of our female teachers, they're, they're Mora. Mm-hmm. And a, uh, a male teacher is a Rebbe or a rabbi. Um, so Mora Judy was... I believe in first grade, I clearly remember her pulling me out of classes and, and doing extracurricular learning. And I only found out recently that she wasn't, that wasn't actually her job. Like she was a full on teacher. And during her breaks, she would pull out students who were struggling and, and give of her own time um, to teach them. So that was, you know, when I start thinking about my education and what I went through, um, that was one of the first fondest memories I have. Mm. Um, but, you know, it was a really great education, especially then. It was, there was a very heavy focus on our character and, and the way we treated each other, the way we treated our teachers, the way we treated the world and the people around us. Um, and that's something that really stuck with me um, a lot. And, you know, I think Napoleon Hill says that within every adversity is that lies a seed to a, a greater... Uh, outcome. I, you can say it a lot better than that, but uh, <laughs> essentially that for every negative, there, there's something that's a lot more positive. And, and looking at it now, I, I see that having gone through that and having kind of been this this outsider within the community, it gave me a, a, an ability and a chance to learn and open my mind to another community, even though we're all Jewish and we're all Orthodox Jewish, but certain customs were different. Hmm. So seeing that now, you know, it, it's something that's definitely helped. Um, and then as the, the, the years went on, we, my family moved back to California because that's where they were originally from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was enrolled in a mainstream Chabad Hasidic school and where once again, I was, I was once again the outcast because I had spent the first 12 years of my life in a completely different school. So I mm-hmm. said certain words in Hebrew a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I came in with different things that the students weren't used to seeing as far as behavior, not necessarily bad behavior, just different things were important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and there, there was a very heavy influence on, you know, academic, but also the impact that we have on the world. So I got to take what I had learned from the modern Orthodox community in, in St. Louis and combine it with what I was now learning from the community that I officially belonged to in, in California um, and utilize both of them to 
really just start making the world a better place. And, you know, one of the things we have in um, Chabad ideology is this idea of what we call a mashpia. And, and it's, in Hebrew, that's the term. And it means like a mentor, essentially a guide, somebody who's there to, to help you as you go through your life's journey. And that was something I brought with me wherever I went. Um, and that was something that I really started to see a lot in my teachers, that I started to differentiate between teachers and mentors and guides or teachers mm. and educators. Um, you know, I think everybody remembers their, their worst teacher, but everybody <laughs> also has maybe those two or three teachers that were like absolutely life changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, so I started to pick up on that. And those are the ones who they, they weren't there for the academics. They were really there for the character development, mm-hmm. for taking that spark inside and, and igniting and turning and, you know, fanning the flames to become something bigger and better. I, you know, I could go on and on and on about <laughs> stories of my education, but the principal in that transitional year from going from the modern Orthodox school to the Chabad school, mm-hmm. the principal, he, it was absolutely um, game changing for me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I went through the high school, the mainstream high school within the Chabad Hasidic community, which is again, once again, very heavily academic um, based. And it's based on a lot of, the Jewish scripture and the law, a lot of the Jewish laws. And essentially what it does is it trains you to become a rabbi. Again, like I said, I am a rabbi. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with our approach to, to the rabbinical title, it's, it's not just being a pulpit rabbi. It's we go out into the middle of nowhere and we reignite the Jewish community there. Mm-hmm. And so that requires certain skills and abilities and certain knowledge. And it's really, you're going out on your own and you have to figure things out as you go along. So that's what they really teach us to do. Uh, I then spent a year in Hawaii um, working for a rabbi out there as an assistant rabbi. And I spent a couple more years um, working for other various rabbis all along building this idea of what is a quality education? What is it really about? How do we impact people's lives? Um, and then to where I am today, where I've been teaching for over 10 years and um, almost entirely in special ed schools. Mm-hmm. And it's always been about, again, focusing on the child or the individual and, and who they are as an, as an entity and as a unique being, as opposed to a mass-produced, factory-made um, child who's going to you know, go to work and get a 9-to-5 job and just go through the... Like, nothing wrong with a 9-to-5 job, mm-hmm. but it's a certain programming. Whereas, you know, the approach that was given to me, thank God, and... and the approach I now try to take is who is this individual as a, who is this child as an individual and what is their uniqueness and what is it that we're trying to bring out? You know, um, with that path, you know, understanding mentors and, and the differentiation of, of educators or teachers and mentors. And obviously that first um, interaction where you were outside of a class, somehow you realize that this person actually wasn't that that wasn't their job. They were going above and beyond. And at our beginning of our conversation, you're like, I don't know, I didn't want to become an educator or teacher, and now yeah. you are. How did that? Yeah. How did that come into play? And and what are some of the the things that you are adding to where you are right now in the last ten years in the, in the classroom? Because we had some previous conversation about some interesting right. things that you're doing. Right. So it's funny because, uh, like as I mentioned, as you mentioned, I swore I would never be an educator. <laughs> I swore I'd never be a teacher. Um, I also swore I would never marry somebody from Brooklyn. I would never live in Brooklyn. And, well, all all of those things have happened. <laughs> so 
Um, it really happened because I, I, I always knew education was important. Um, I believed heavily in it. I just felt that the education that I was getting wasn't right. So I pursued education. So when I was getting ready to get married, I spent a year and a half trying to understand what is marriage about? What is what are relationships about? What does it take to have a successful m marriage? Because you hear about people who, you know, they get divorced. And, okay, we don't always know what's going on. And sometimes, unfortunately, divorce is necessary. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to make sure that going into marriage, I was doing everything I could to to make sure I was prepared for it so that it would be not only would it last, but it would be happy and healthy. So I pursued that education. Uh, and then I did get married, thank God. And I realized, well, now that I'm married, I need to support my family. <laughs> so living in Crown Heights, there's an abundance of jobs working in schools here um, as something called a paraprofessional. And mm -hmm. it's essentially a shadow. Like That's what people in other areas, they call it a shadow, where I was assigned one boy. And it was my job to shadow this boy. And with this boy in particular, I, I was hired to make sure he didn't get into fistfights. Um, and... That's how I started off because it paid the bills and it was a job. Uh, now, again, me being me and having got received the education that I received, I saw that this boy wasn't going to make it through the year just not getting in fights. Like mm -hmm. there was something missing. So I started working with him and in conjunction with his therapists and his service providers and his teachers, we started developing him as, as in the character, you know, the characteristics. So at first it was hard and there were a lot of bruises and, and, and scratches on, on, on my part um, <laughs> because I still have to do that physical work. But it was always after that the physical work of restraining him was done. Well, we need to sit down and talk about this because clearly there's something still on your mind. Like when a kid, it, you know, is, is having a tantrum or he's throwing a fit or he's getting physical, it's because there's something he's trying to say or mm. she's trying to say, something they need to express. So if we just stop them from expressing it, it doesn't solve the problem. It just builds up. So what we started doing with him was really you know, speaking to him and, and giving him the perspective of it's okay to feel and it's important to feel, um, but you have to express your feelings in the proper way. So much so that by the end of the year, thank God, he was at a place where you know a, a situation that normally would have been disastrous for him he was able to communicate through it. Hmm. Um, and that was definitely not solely me. Like it, it was the teamwork of everybody involved. From there, I was hired as a um, first grade English teacher. Uh, at the same school, they needed somebody to, to, to take the place of the first grade English teacher. So I, I stepped in there. Then I did seventh and eighth grade in the afternoons, um, teaching again, math and, and, and reading. And again, it was always, it was always, this is going to pay the bills. And that, mm -hmm. that's the only reason behind <laughs> it. But, it was never just that. It was always, well, these kids need to be understood. They want to be understood. They're begging to be understood. So that's what I would give them. My students know, and sometimes I take advantage of it, that you know, if there's a chance to teach a life lesson or have a teachable moment, I'm, I'm going straight for that. Like, forget <laughs> the math lesson. I don't care what X equals. We're talking life. Um, and you know, that's what it became. And then I finally took on my first full-time teaching position at another school after having worked at their day camp. And that was a huge leap for me. I was not confident at all in my ability, but thank God they believed in it. And I worked there for a number of years where once again, we're, I'm dealing with students who were coming from broken homes. Mm -hmm. um, they were culturally, it was a thing. And just in, in their situation, it was a lot of broken families. Um, they didn't really have parental support, or parental guidance. And it was also very academically charged. Mm -hmm. Like you have to perform well, you have to do well. Otherwise, you're a failure. And so helping them to understand 
you know, the grades are important, yes. But how you get those grades is even more important. If you're going to get them and you're going to be stressed about it, was it worth it? Mm -hmm. But if you can approach it and do a good job and enjoy having done it, you know, or at least knowing that you gave it your all, that was more important. These are the lessons that I, I always tried to impart them with. Um, and now I actually switched um, the beginning of the school year to a new school that's entirely a special ed school mm -hmm. here in Brooklyn um, for the Chabad Hasidic community. And I'm dealing with boys who are all over the spectrum, autism and, and, and various behavioral challenges and, and learning disabilities um, for, from all extremes. And it, it boils down to the same thing. We have that behavior plan of if he says this, this is the, the reaction or this is the consequence or this is how we deal with it. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's not enough to just stop that behavior. It's he needs to understand why that behavior is not okay. Mm -hmm. I had a boy today who one boy was giving out flashlights. It was really sweet. He, you know, he brought 18 flashlights to give out to all the students. It was really nice. One of the boys didn't like the one that he got, so he threw it in the garbage. And okay, well, that's not an appropriate response. Mm -hmm. And I, I talked to him and it escalated. He he doesn't like being told he he did something wrong. And I wasn't telling him he did something wrong, but that he felt like it. So when time passed, we revisited the, the issue and then he made a threat, you know, towards me. This is one of his things is he, he threatens his teachers. Um, and then I gave him a cool down period. We went through the process of, of he has to reset and he knows what he has to do. And then we talked about it. And at the end of the day, he was able to get what he wanted by communicating what it was that he wanted. Mm -hmm. So throughout education, that's just been my, you know, my approach has always been this child just needs to be understood. And mm -hmm. what are they trying to say? And what are the unique, unique talents? The same boy, the one who does all the threatening, is an incredible artist. Mm -hmm. So I would prefer him draw me a picture of what we learned than fill out the worksheet. Because at the end of the day, the worksheet's not going to do him much good. Forget a year from now, two days from now. Like, who cares? Right. But if we encourage that ability within him, who knows what he can then turn around and go and do with it. Um, as far as what I'm trying to do with education, I, I'm just trying to bring it back to that idea of, you know, understanding the student. It needs to be student centered. And there, mm -hmm. there's so many different ways that education can be student centered, whether it's the pod based learning, whether learning in groups of four or whether it's there on their iPads or, like there's like that, that's not me. I, I can utilize technology. I can utilize those methodologies. My thing is a relationship, mm -hmm. you know, as with anything, with business, with life, with marriage, with family relationship always has to come first. The teachers need to establish strong, healthy relationships with their students. Um, and the administration needs to establish strong, healthy relationships with their staff and their teachers. And I think when we remember that and we focus on that, we're not only setting ourselves up for success, we're setting our students up for success. And we avoid a lot of the challenges and the problems that we see in school today and in, in the world. Uh, you know, it, it's, Things are just heavily relationship-based. Right. Um, so trying to bring that idea back into school, um, I think it's something that is missing a lot. You know, mm -hmm. I speak to a lot of educators, and I'm related to a lot of educators who have multiple degrees. I don't have any degrees. I, I have the degree of hard knock, you know. Like, <laughs> I've gone through life. I've experienced it. I spent over 10 years in the trenches, blood, sweat, and tears, literally and figuratively. Um, and I think a lot of the, the degree programs forget to talk about the genuine relationship mm -hmm. um, and it's so important right because then you can when you have a relationship with a student um or even a staff member you can not force them but you can push them beyond 
what they believe are their limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it with some, I had a student today. He, he doesn't like doing the work at all. He absolutely hates doing work. So I'm not going to expect him to do the 20, you know, writing the letter 20 times. It's, it's just not for him to do. My expectation for him is five. For him to even do one is a huge deal. But it's because we have a relationship. And it's not, oh, do it for me. It's we have this relationship. So he understands that there are times when I'm going to let him off and times when I'm going to push him forward. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, he didn't do it for me. He did it because it was the right thing to do. He needed to do it. But now he has this massive reward of, wow, I was actually able to. And he came over to me so excited because he didn't do five. He did six. I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> incredible. Mm-hmm. Most people are like, you did six. So you're supposed to do 20. No, but the point is, what is this child? <laughs> Who are they becoming? You know? Um, and then we can use methodologies and tools and technology, but the foundation is the principle. At least that's right. That's how I see it. Coming up after the break, Baruch and I talk a little bit about how we can bring in some life coaches and some different things that we would do in education. Also, he gives advice for a first-year teacher, and you can get all his connects coming up right after this. I recently asked Jake, who is a sophomore in high school, why he uses SpikeView to share his learning journey. Um, I think it's really cool that, you know, SpikeView is really putting that abstract into con- concrete data and knowledge and then displaying that to the outside world. And I think SpikeView is different than anything else out there. Uh, like I said before, because it's really taking that, you know, the, that those abstract skill sets and those abstract experiences and putting them into data that, you know, is actually mathematic and scientific and, um, you know, that matches you up with the best programs and. Um, you know, best places for you. People, um, you know, who are really trying to make those changes in the world and they're going to be using SpikeView because SpikeView is that app where you can, you know, take take those experiences and take those passions and put them out there um, and share with other people. And that's, you know, that's really powerful. And to that, you know, that professional networking piece, um, you know, to be with other like-minded teenagers, that puts you ahead. That puts you ahead in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, I think anyone who uses SpikeView right now has a leg up in the future. And excited to see you know where those spike view alumni head up head to spikeview.com start your portfolio now for free yeah i mean you know i wanted to kind of piggyback on on a linkedin um you know i think you put it out today about linear versus cyclical um and i saw that and that that's very interesting because i feel like in education right we peg somebody here and just like this young student you were saying oh you're the linear model is zero to 20 times you're writing the letter what you're actually you're living what you what you believe is well let's get to five and let's go around in a cycle and then go guess what we got to six that's good you know and and that's so much different um than the lineal kind of well you didn't get there so everything's off you know right um where where do you see this going forward with you how how do you figure um now you're you're moving um you're right. going to uh texas and uh but what 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 comes up next with you what how are you going to take these things or or what is your big hairy goal of taking these things and making you know where do we go next with this because what you're doing is so needed so needed it is it is the humanistic approach 
uh, so, some people will label it social emotional learning or the humanistic, you know, you're right. You, we can't do that. So where do you see this going, not only with education, but with your journey as well? So this year, 2020, you know, as, as horrible as it was for many people and, and not to downplay that, this was actually absolutely amazing for me because it gave me the, the opportunity to really put things into motion. And I think it, for the world at large, it, it was a huge awakening and especially within education. And I hope, I hope people take advantage of that. People say, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. No, <laughs> like I don't want things to go back to normal. Certain aspects of normalcy, yes. Like we should get back to certain aspects. Education should not go back to what is normal. Like maybe that works for some people, great. So for those people, let's keep it that way. But because we were so withdrawn from each other, because we had to you know, socially distance, I think that shows the importance of having to build that relationship. So there's no question that education moving forward has to be more focused on relationships um, and more relationship centered. And I think whether via distance like this or in person, um, as far as where I'm going and you know where I see education going, I've approached, I've always approached education from the standpoint that there's no such thing, no paper on the wall is going to give me my credentials. Like as far as you're concerned, this paper back here is my credentials. It's not. It's actually one of my <laughs> latest brainstorming sessions. All right. Like, you wouldn't know. I mean, we're on a Zoom and you're seeing it, right? So no paper <laughs> on the wall is really going to give me um, the experience that I need or the knowledge that I need. Again, not to downplay it because mm -hmm. I speak to people on, who have papers on the wall because I know that they have certain knowledge that I don't. Um, my approach has always been getting the experience and climbing the ladder, so to speak. So that's why I started, when I started teaching, I, I started as a tutor, and then I worked as a para, then a part-time teacher, then a full-time teacher, and then um, now I do some consulting for, for leadership and principals. That is my goal. My goal is the next position I get to, in some form or another, have a leadership-type role within a school, whether it's assistant principal or principal or lead consultant or you know honestly my, my dream my dream job title would be director of professional and parental development hmm. because i think that having the parents involved having the community involved in the school is so extremely important it can't be family life and then school life because if, if they're not connected something's missing like that's right. kind of been my approach for many years with with my son's schooling and I'm realizing now, okay, that, that's just not going to work. So I've been getting a lot more involved now because I need to be a part of this. Like I am a part of a hundred percent of part of his education. You know, Torah, the Jewish Bible Torah, ha there's a law that says that the father is responsible for the child's education. If the father cannot provide the education, then he's responsible for hiring somebody who can. Hmm. So typically we send our kids to school and we take care of, but that's not nearly enough. So I've gone full on experiential. So my goal is to, my next goal is to get a leadership type role mm -hmm. um, because at the end of the day, one of my big dreams is to help open a, a school that is in line with what I feel are the, the proper methodologies and the proper values that education should be providing our students with. And again, academics is important. I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm going to hire somebody else to take care of academics. Like, <laughs> I, I get it's important. And mm -hmm. this, the Texas trip we actually just went on to to scout out some of the schools was very eye opening in that way. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I've got my thing, and I'm going to hire people who can do better than me in, in other areas. Right. Um, but my goal is to open a school and then mm -hmm. to take that educational platform online. Um, so that's my personal journey where I'm mm -hmm. aiming. Um, and again, education as a whole, 
it, it really, you know, Simon Sinek, mm-hmm. amazing speaker, amazing author. He's got this concept, start with why, you know, the why, the what, and the how. I think when you apply that to education, it's, well, why are we educating our kids? What is the why behind the education? The what and the how are interchangeable. Like mm-hmm. that is not as important. So you can convey learning character through a Zoom class. You can convey it through an app. You can convey it through an online course. But the question is, what are you trying to convey? So I think when we focus more on the end result of what is what are we trying to provide with our education, and then what are we going to do to give it to them, and how are we going to provide them with it? Mm-hmm. As a thought, I was speaking to my brother in, in Texas, and we were talking about this idea of schools because we both had very different schooling. Um, he's somebody who, in fourth grade, like the, the his teacher said, there's no hope for him with anything math, you know, anything ac- mathematically inclined. Mm-hmm. He was flunking math, and now a number of years later, he's managing multi-millions of dollars, like on a daily basis. <laughs> so you're going to tell me the kid who couldn't do math? Like, so like clearly there was something else missing, right? Uh, but we were talking about you know what is education, at least in our culture, because again we send people out to start communities. Mm-hmm. Well, not everybody who's going through the Chabad system is going to become a rabbi, and up until recently there was a very big push that either you were a you know, a rabbi, an emissary, or you were funding the rabbis. And if you weren't in line with that path, then you were considered like off the path. Mm-hmm. And like it was like something you looked down upon. And what he and I were talking about was this idea, and it was really more of like he worded it well. Our goal should be that no matter what path our students choose in the long run, they should, no matter where they are, they should still have those values that we instilled in them to say, like, if they're out in the middle of, you know, they're completely not religious, they're in the middle of Timbuktu, and they meet a fellow Jew who's not religious and wants to know uh, what, what the prayer for the day is, that person will give will tell them what that prayer is because they remember that when they were going through school, that was something that was important. Mm-hmm. Like, instilling values in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just in general, that's where where uh, education needs to go. Yeah, Just focusing on the values and, and, and the purpose behind it all. Mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that, um, well, I mean, I'm sorry for your brother for being, you know, labeled. Uh, labeling is such a, a thing, um, unfortunate thing, in my opinion, yeah. um, in schools. I'm interested to hear, um, you know, just to climb into some of the ideas and possibly the idea board behind you there. Um, when you're talking about the schools uh, beyond academics, what are some of the things that you're thinking about doing with the school um, that are, you know, not math, science, English, whatnot. Like, what, what are you thinking there? Very interesting. It's a very good question and probably the biggest thing I've been trying to figure out because in a way it's very easily, it's very easy to say academically these are our goals. Right. But on a character development level, how do you say that these are the goals? Well, everybody is, every child is different. Everybody, every child has, has different character traits that they need to develop. Can you put in place a curriculum? Probably not, not for character development. So some of the basic things that you could do, budgeting, finances, mental health is a big one that people are talking a lot about, you know, how to identify when there's an issue. I'm one of the people that I'm working with now as, as a coaching client and coaching partner, really. Um, they're, they're developing a, a program on rewriting negative scripts. I think mm-hmm. that's extremely important. How mm-hmm. many students go through... I mean, my students that, you know, oh my gosh, I got an 80 and my mother's going to kill me. And like, 
why is an 80 a bad thing? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you tried. You put your effort into it. That is amazing. Focusing on things like that, building their self-esteem. Now, a lot of that, it's not like it's a curriculum. Okay, kids, open up the page 52, and, and we're going to learn about something. Like, no, that's, that's not how it works. Right. So that's where, you know, uh, the, the, the Jewish Guide to Education is this book over here um, called The Principles of Education mm -hmm. and Guidance. And the very first thing he says is that as a teacher, you need to make sure you got your head on straight. Like, are you in it for the right reasons? And are you really qualified? Because hmm. if you're not, then, you know, get out of Dodge. Right. I mean, he doesn't say that, but you get the point. <laughs> so I think when we as teachers and administrators are in a place where we're constantly checking ourselves, mm -hmm. am I on the right path? Am I doing the right thing? Am I giving it all? How do I change? How do I adapt? How do I develop? Then we can look at the students and say, okay, how can I help them? So I think it really has to work top down. The very, at the very beginning, every principal, every administrator, everybody in the school has to be, have the same vision. Um, they have to know where they're going with this. That's extremely important. Mm -hmm. Now, how are we going to achieve that vision? As a principal, who are you checking with to make sure you're doing the right thing? You know, every person should have a coach right. or, or a mentor or somebody that is keeping them on track. We get very involved in the business of education and we forget the personality behind it. Right. Um, so I think from the top down, administration needs to make sure that they're in check, make sure they have the people they're going to, their mentors, their coaches, their guides. Uh, I would love to get a life coach in every school. Mm. Like, I mean, I recently heard about a, a financial planning firm and um, my financial planner was telling me how every week he has a check-in with his life coach that is provided by the company. Hmm. And it's an hour session where they don't talk about business, they talk about life. Yeah. So principals, administration, teachers, need to have somebody that they can go to not, first of all, for, for education, are you doing the right thing? Then how is your life going on? Yeah. You know, last year we had a teacher who, um, he unfortunately was going through a very hard time. He had just lost his father to cancer mm -hmm. and it was coming out in his teaching. Um, he was a lot, louder and a lot more vocal in a negative way towards his students. I'm not justifying it because right. it's not justified. He kept getting flack for it from the administration. <laughs> now, at the same time, my father had just been diagnosed with stage four cancer and he was expected to die any day. And thank mm -hmm. God, he, you know, two and a half years later, he's still doing very well. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so maybe this is two years ago that this happened. Mm -hmm. um, but I related to him. I understood that there are stresses that happen in your regular life that affect your professional life. Yeah. So how, where are the checks and balances there? How do we know that our teachers are doing well? Um, then from there again, working down. So, so, so mm -hmm. getting our administration mentors, coaches, guides to make sure they're doing the right thing, getting them life coaches, people that they can speak to about life, um, taking care of, you know, supporting the teacher in their life. Financially, are they good? Mm -hmm. Teachers aren't highly paid at all, unfortunately. Right. So what else, what other benefit, what other helps, help can we provide them with? Then when you bring it down to the student level, again, some of those very same things. My school now, all the students have like therapists that work on, you know, OT, PT, speech, all these different things. Um, they have official counselors, but who's there to pull a, pull a student aside and just say, hey, how's your day going? Right. Do you want a cake? Do you want a candy? Do you want a chocolate? You know, just make them feel like a human. Mm -hmm. um, so... Again, it, it, to me, I, I don't have anything solid 
Like I can lay out this plan yeah. for you and say X, <laughs> Y, and Z, A, B, C. It's more of here are some ideas and let's get them on paper. So that's the thing yeah. with me is like I'm a team player. I yeah. need to work with other people. So bouncing ideas off of people and then creating a solid plan of action. I think right. it's possible. Yeah, I um, hear I that. Think there are a number of people who are doing mm-hmm. stepping towards there. Yeah. Um, and it's about coming together and, and providing it to you know together. I, I hear that. I mean, uh, especially, you know, and I'm so glad you brought up administration, right? Like, um, because it is so imp- like right now, the decisions that are having to be made and, you know, they, there's no real training for what has happened, you know, over the past no. year. Um, and and that is something that I, I feel as well is uh, something like you said, it, it's accountability coaches and slash just like you said, life yeah. coaches. I think that's brilliant. That's that's a. That's a great thing. Um, so I have to ask you, uh, if you had an educator coming in to the field right now, mm-hmm. and uh, there's no doubt in my mind, it's inevitable you're going to be a school leader because I can just sense the passion and, 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 I, and I know it's going to happen. What, do you, what, do you, what word or words of advice do you give to that, that educator coming in uh, to the field right now? That's a good one. And I've spoken to many like new educators. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a guy in my school. This is, I don't know why he chose art school to be his first year teaching, but <laughs> he, he, he picked a rough school and he picked a rough year to start off with. Mm-hmm. I actually just checked in with him today. I said, Hey, are, are you continuing education? He's like, I don't know. You know, it's, it's a big decision. I'm like, yeah, it is. Um, but I spend a lot of time speaking to him, especially at the beginning of the year. Um, I, the first year is the worst. Mm-hmm. It always is. Um, you can't base the rest your entire career off of your first year. So don't and don't take it personally. Like when these students act out, even in a gen ed classroom, don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. When your administrator says something horrible or makes you feel like garbage, don't take it personally. Some people don't know how to lead and they're leaders, unfortunately. Um, so at, at the end of the day, it's, you have to think to yourself, am I doing everything that I can to make sure that, you know, my students are getting what they need and then check, well, is there anything else I can do? Great. If there is, do it. If not, don't worry about it. Um, but I think the biggest thing that, that causes burnout and, and teachers, especially like first year teachers or first or second year teachers is they take things very personally. They take it a lot to heart. Um, and they don't give themselves enough credit just for surviving the day. Like surviving the day is a huge part of education. Um, it's one of those jobs where you're never really going to fully know the impact that you've had unless somebody says something. Mm-hmm. And even then, the chances of that happening, next to nil. Like you hope to be that type of educator where somebody does come to you 20 years later and and tells you, oh my gosh, I completely changed my life because of you. Like, yes, that is every educator's goal <laughs> and dream and the thing that they beg and pray and hope for. How often does that happen, unfortunately? Right. Um, so I think the biggest thing for new educators is, is, again, don't take it personally. Give it your all. If things don't work out 100%, it's not your fault or, or don't take it personally. Um, and then, and I think this is key because a lot of people feel that when they finish getting the degree and they finish their training and everything like that, 
you know, their education ends. And this, this kind of comes back to the idea of linear versus cyclical. Mm-hmm. I think somebody commented on that post and they said it's more of a spiral. And I love that because <laughs> in, in, in a way, like it does, it doesn't, it's not linear, but it doesn't come full circle. It more like it spirals and then right. goes up and up. Um, your, your education is never done. As an educator, it is, it is your responsibility to make sure you're constantly educating yourself, whether that's through official ways like getting the next degree or just speaking, reaching out to to educators who have been doing it longer than you or better than you um, and finding out from them, like, how do I do Get your own mentor. Get your own coach. If your school isn't providing you with one, find one. There are so many people out there that would be happy to share with you um, what they're doing. And, and it is your responsibility if to do that, to continue your education. How do I become a better, edu- better educator? Better educator. <laughs> and if you can't do that, then, you know, I, I hate to be harsh, but if you can't do it, don't don't go into education. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's you're holding people's lives in your hand. Like you have the power to make or break a child. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it too many times, unfortunately, with, with poor educators who just they, they don't realize the damage they're doing. Um, I've experienced some of them on my own. I think we all have. We all have that teacher that made us say, wait, what? <laughs> but don't be that teacher. <laughs> be the one who makes them say, wait, what? You know, so yeah. I think that if I, if I could have, give any advice, that's that's what it would be. Oh, that's wonderful advice. Um, I want to make sure people uh, know where to find you. How can, how can people connect with you? And, uh, you know, you do some consulting, obviously, yeah. from what you're... You, the freebies you're throwing out here is wonderful. And um, yeah, you, I obviously, yeah, where, where can people find you? Um, I do have a website, bsdcoaching.com. Uh, they can definitely catch me there. They can send me a message through that platform. I am on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Baruch Duber, I believe. <laughs> I think Baruch with an A maybe. Um, I am on Instagram as rabbi underscore Baruch. I'm on Facebook. Um, they can have my email coaching bsd at gmail.com or they can have my phone number and reach out to me through text or whatsapp or um, what's the latest one telegram there's so any many. of those yeah, there's so many really um, <laughs> any of those ways I don't know if you have a way of putting up the phone number somewhere yep. but um, they're more than welcome to reach out to me mm-hmm. the only thing I ask is I, the reason why I give out my phone number is not to be to be spammed or scammed but specifically for people to reach out like I, I don't I'm not going to charge somebody if they just want to have a quick conversation right. or they want to shoot a text. Like, mm-hmm. I, I am putting my information out there for it to be utilized. Yeah. So please utilize it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and again, yeah, I'll put all that uh, underneath in the uh, podcast on the YouTube channel. Baruch, thank you so much for being with us today on Disrupt Education, man. It's a pleasure. Uh, I learned a lot, and I know that our listeners did too. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. I really enjoyed this conversation and looking forward to to many more. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Disrupt Education. 